Your pain is often the breadcrumbs to your values. And those values become the guiding light for your purpose on the planet. Because what often happens is that the pain gives us a glimpse of what we want to heal and fix in the world so that other generations and other people we love do not have to experience that pain. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. I once started a company that I had to quit in eight months. This was 2010. And back then, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia was going through a massive round of startup culture. Investment funds were coming in, entrepreneurial accelerators were being established, and everyone was starting a startup. In America, Groupon had become the fastest growing company in the world. And in Kuala Lumpur, in Asia, startup after startup was racing to create the Asian version of Groupon. And I decided, wow, everyone else is doing this. I want to do it too. So I jumped in. We got $2 million from Intel Capital Ventures. And I created one of the seven different Groupon clones in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. We were neck and neck with the leading guy, waiting to see who was going to be acquired for millions of dollars by the massive Groupon and spread its tentacles all around the world. Six months into that, I realized how miserable I was. I had everything that I thought I wanted. I had venture capital. I was in the press. I was in the media. I was a startup entrepreneur, but I was miserable. I disliked my job. I disliked the work I had to do. I disliked the things I had to fulfill for that investment. And I decided to give up all my shares and do something that really made my heart sing. That something was A-Fest, which eventually led to Mind Valley University. And my friends couldn't understand. You just gave up that whole startup. But what really happened was I awoke. I wasn't setting goals that came from my soul. I was looking at the world around me and going, oh, to be successful, you need venture capital. To be successful, you got to raise at least two million. To be successful, you got to get acquired. That's a bullshit model. But that is what so much of the world relies on. And that's why I was so miserable. I literally, in 2011, I gave up my shares in this company. Turned out to be a blessing. Apefest, and when I did Apefest, one of my investors was like, what the hell are you doing, Vision? Intel has given you two million and you're putting on a fucking festival? AFES led to Mind Valley U. And AFES actually led to the emergence of a whole new Mind Valley brand and culture that elevated us. The company that I gave up ended up going public. But it failed. The whole Groupon thing collapsed. Within two years, the world got fed up of online coupons and the entire industry went to hell. So... I didn't end up losing a massive opportunity, but what I gained was this. What I gained was a tribe. What I gained was the ability to actually have this life where I get to travel and speak and do what I really craved. But it came from avoiding the rules of the culture scape. So Sri Kumar Rao said this. He said, business schools don't teach us what we really need to know to be successful. What they need to teach us is that the number one lesson in life has to be growth. And everything about your life has to be about growth. If your business fails, it doesn't matter. Did you grow? If your business succeeds, it doesn't matter. Did you grow? He said, we have to train ourselves to shut out 
all of the rules, all of the voices that tell us that you need this check mark and this check mark and this check mark to be successful. And instead, we need to look at the world from the lens of, is this helping me grow? So during that 2013 to 2016, when I was going through a lot of stress, I happened to get on a call, a coaching call with Sri Kumar Rao. So many of us have coaches and Rao was my coach. And it was really interesting because he said, Vision, I can tell that things are not going good. Would you allow me to read you a poem? So I said, Rao, a poem, seriously, tell me how to fix this. People are fucking stealing from me. I'm on the verge of bankruptcy. You want to impress me with your poetry skills? Fine, go on. That was not what I actually said, but that was in my head. And this is what Rao read to me. He said, this poem was written by a 13th century Afghan refugee called Rumi. He said, when I run after what I think I want, my days are a furnace of distress and anxiety. If I sit in my own place of patience, what I need flows to me and without any pain. From this, I understand that what I want also wants me, is looking for me and attracting me. There's a great secret in this for anyone who can grasp it. So let's go back and look at that, right? When I run after what I think I want, my days are a furnace of distress and anxiety. When I was running after the VC money, when I was running after the media, when I was running after figuring out how to get acquired by Groupon, my days were a furnace of distress and anxiety. If I sit in my own place of patience, what I need flows to me and without any pain. What he's talking about there, when he says about place of patience, is tapping into the soul, which knows where you are meant to be and what you're meant to do. From this, I understand that what I want also wants me, is looking for me and attracting me. But here he's talking about a different type of want. He's talking about a want from the soul, a want from the intuitive aspect of yourself, not a want because you are trying to follow the checklist of the culturescape. The intuitive want also wants you. There is a great secret in this for anyone who can grasp it. So, this was from Jalal al-Din Rumi, who today is America's most quoted poet, actually. But another way to think about this idea is another great poet, Frank Sinatra. He said, do you remember this Strangers in the Night? There's this line there, which I think is the best line. It's doobie doobie doo. So most of us do to be, right? I had to hustle to get the VC money from Intel to build a company, do to be, because I thought that will make me someone. But if you listen to do be, do be, do, it's hard to say whether he's saying do be or be do. What Ra was saying is be and then do. Be what it is that you want and then do from that place. It is similar to Michael Beckwith's idea of the law of resonance. Michael Beckwith, who was in The Secret, he was one of the teachers that says, the secret is incomplete. It's not about the law of attraction. You do not attract what you want. You attract who you are. In other words, you be, and then you do. Be, do. Now, the shift that happened to me between 2013 and 2016 is I decided to give up all of the ideas I was chasing. I was going through struggle in business. And back then, I thought I just sucked. But what I realized was that all of this struggle was because I was not listening. I was doing, I was trying to fulfill a checklist, a checklist that I thought was how a CEO had to operate or how a $10 million company had to operate. And 
What I didn't realize was that my soul was asking me to do something completely different. I had to be something else and then do from that place of being and not do to be. So what happened was the universe put a particular mentor in my life. And the funny thing is, this mentor was a 29-year-old kid. I was like 39 at that time. 29-year-old kid who had actually once worked for me. His name is Amir Ahmad Nasser. Smart kid. He had joined Mind Valley when he was 22, went on to become a talented writer, went on to speak around the world. And Amir developed this process of identifying values. And he led me through an exercise, and that is the sheet I came up with. He said, Vision, what are your values? And I read him the Mind Valley Code of Awesomeness. And he said, no, those are not your values. That's some dumb exercise you did to try to be democratic in the workplace, get everyone, 100 employees, to share what they think Mind Valley should be. No, what are your values? What are the words that best speak to who you are? He made me write down what I did in the world. I did courses, I did events, I did challenges back then. That was the early name for Quest. And I did community. And then he said, now what are the values and beliefs that you have in the world? So I wrote down these values. Transformation was a value. Connectedness was a value. Compassion was a value. Growth as a goal, that was something I believed in. Humanism, I believed in, in seeing people as a unified planet Earth. I believed in aesthetics. I love design and art. I love having a vision. I believe in happiness. I believe in love and change and constant change. I believe in self-directed learning, like deciding how you want to learn. I believe in questioning the rules. I believe in innovation. I believe in futurism, an optimistic view of the future of mankind. These were the values. And he said, good, but that's too much. What I want you to do is I want you to cluster them. So as you can see, all the ones, transformation has a one, growth has a one, transcendence has a one. All of these ones, I realize, fall under the idea of transformation, right? So I gave it one word. And then there were these things that were number two, connectedness, compassion, humanism. This was sort of like seeing people as a whole, right? It was more a value around world centrism. We put that together and we called it connectedness. Today we call it unity, but then I called it connectedness. And the third one, aesthetics, vision, change, innovation, came from me being an engineer. It was about creating. So we. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous. And there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. 
don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. Call that vision. And then there was a fourth one, happiness, love is there. That, Amir said, isn't really emerging. So it's not as dominant as the other. So he said, those are your three fundamental values. Now, what happened next was really interesting. I decided to simply forget all of the rules of what it took to be an entrepreneur. I decided that entrepreneur was a bullshit term. I wanted no part in it. You can be designing logos for $5 on 99 designs. You're an entrepreneur. You can build a billion dollar company. You're an entrepreneur. It's a bullshit term. I discarded that. I discarded the word CEO. And I simply decided to live from those values. So I would ask myself, okay, am I embodying connectedness in my life? Am I embodying transformation? Am I embodying personal growth, which is a key part of transformation? Am I embodying vision? Am I living my life to build and to create every single day? Those became what I lived from. And the shift that that had on Mind Valley was dramatic. All the pain and suffering stopped because what I had inadvertently done was I'd gone deep into my soul. And now I was listening to what my soul wanted. I was being what my soul wanted. And the result was three years of decline and chaos disappeared. And instantly, Mind Valley took off. It took off so fast that between January to July 2016, we were losing an average of $100,000 a month, seven months. $700,000 gone. August, we made our first big profit in history. And we made exactly 700000 In one month, we paid off all of that. And Mind Valley continued to grow and grow and grow. So we're going to go deeper into that later. But this is the exercise that I want you to do. So my four values that emerged from that exercise with Amir were transformation, envisioning, unity, and love. Your values are going to be different. But let me share with you the outcome. So the first thing is, we went from three years of pain to 50% growth year on year. And now we're approaching 100 million. We'll probably get there in about 18 more months. 50% growth year on year. The authors that we published in Mind Valley were clients. So I sometimes didn't have any type of relationship with the author. I didn't sometimes even like the product that we were publishing. We published a chakra healing product. It was 40% off our list. I never studied it. I never cared about chakra healing. Today, I would never publish something that I don't care about. Our people do all our products. Our authors became our close friends. We would party with them. We would hang out with them. Our authors and Mind Valley became almost like a tribe in itself. Weird thing, my health transformed. This is me, May 2016. The end of that three years. That was actually an official profile picture. Notice I'm wearing glasses. Notice I'm hunched over. That is me two years later. I actually became biologically younger. Now I'm talking about actual biological data. My body percentage, my fat percentage went from 22% down to 15%, 15 and 14%, which is considered excellent for a 40-year-old man. My hair stopped turning gray. So the gray hair I have right now is left over from 2016. My hair grew back. I had an emerging bald spot. It disappeared. I actually became younger. I got ripped. All of that happened in a span of two years. By the way, this is after WildFit. This was literally taken after WildFit. I started WildFit February 2016. So after WildFit, I was significantly slimmer, 
you can still see the deep contrast. You can see more hair there. Two years. So this is what I meant by vitality. I told you when you tap into this, your vitality increases. And my energy went through the roof, like tiredness just disappeared. Life became super easy. I didn't have to struggle anymore. So when you see these entrepreneurship quotes, starting a business, running a business, or even the shit that Elon Musk sometimes says, that's operating at a very base level. And Musk is brilliant, but he exaggerates on the agony and the pain. They're operating at a different level. You can run a massive business and actually not let it break you. I believe you can do massive things in the world and actually emerge healthier and younger as you do it by tapping into these alternate ideas. So are you guys ready to start getting into this? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do, okay? You are going to create your values. I want you to take your journal. In the first column, you're gonna write down what you offer the world. Okay, let's take a couple of examples. What is it that you offer the world? No, that's more like a value. So love is a value, but you cannot sell love unless you're a prostitute. Maybe you are, okay? But what is it that you offer the world? Okay, so you offer education. Be more specific, what type of education? You offer horses? Courses. <laughs> courses, okay, online courses, great. That's what you offer the world, so you would write that down. If you offer it, don't write down what you want to offer, write down what you offer right now, or what you're going to be offering soon. What else do you offer the world? Movement, okay, movement exercise, movement therapy, what is it? Coaching, what else do you offer the world? Humor, are you selling humor? You're a YouTube comedian. Okay, so you offer the world entertaining YouTube videos. Great, you would write that down. What else? You offer the world books. You're a writer. What else? Software, great. You would write that down. Okay, so you guys get the idea. So you're going to first write down what you offer the world. Now, your values may not have anything to do with your offer. The reason you put your offers down is because it's to set a frame of reference because this is what you do, right? Now, let's talk about what are the values that make you who you are. Your values often come from your suffering or your pain. You were abused as a child and you grow up wanting to do something to create more conscious parenting or more compassion in schools. You were hurt deeply by someone you love and you grow up and one of your value ends up being love or unity or compassion. Now, in my case, what happened to me is if I go back to every one of my values, they came from some pain and suffering. One of my dominant values is unity. And now you see that in everything I touch. My son speaks three languages, Russian, Estonian, and English. My kids have a little bit of every mixture in them. Mind Valley employs people from 54 countries. There are 70 countries here at Mind Valley University. Other than Mind Valley, my side gig is I'm working on unifying the human race under an earth flag. But where does that drive for unity come from? It came because I was living in America for nine years. And when my then wife, Christina, and I got married, we moved to New York and we wanted to raise our kids and have them born in the U.S. and integrate and move to America. But after September 11, the rules of the game kind of changed. I got added to a Muslim watch list because I was born in a Muslim country. Malaysia is in a 100% Muslim country. It's about 60% Muslim, but that still made me eligible 
for having the government watch on me. Now, I don't blame anyone. It was post-September 11, but one day I showed up at JFK and they stopped me at the border and I was told that I was now stamped. And what this meant is that every time I was to board a flight or get off a flight, I had to report to the government, get fingerprinted, get my mugshot taken, give them my credit card so they could see what I was purchasing. And this made it impossible. I was no longer allowed to use certain airports. I couldn't board a plane without a two-hour interview. I couldn't get off a plane without a two-hour interview. And so after three months of that, because it wasn't just airports, right? It wasn't just you have to show up at an airport an extra two hours before anyone else. Every four weeks living in New York, I had to go and report to the government center at Battery Park, stand in line for four hours in the cold because the line would go four blocks and then get registered. And, you know, it was just a kind of a ridiculous situation. So all of a sudden, living in America, even though I'd lived there for nine years, it was like being back on parole. And so that's how Mind Valley moved to Malaysia. That's why we ended up back in Malaysia. And when I established Mind Valley in Malaysia, one of the things I decided is that I don't want my children growing up in a world where they would be put on a watch list because of where they were born or whatever their religious belief are or the color of the skin. And I believe that that is where that unity value came in because I really became resistant at any form of separation of human beings because I was on that watch list. I had to leave the country I loved because of that watch list. So back then it was called special registration. Now I got lucky. In 2008, America elected a man by the name of Barack Obama. And in 2008, one of the first things he did is he ruled the entire thing unconstitutional. And 72,000 immigrants living in the US who happened to have been born in Muslim countries were suddenly free to live their lives as normal. Out of those 72,000, not a single terrorist was caught. They were ordinary people. Now, that value resonates with me so powerfully, but you can see that value of unity came from pain. Now, as a side note, the Trump watch list is that same thing. Trump wants to bring that same concept back. And Trump, in his public speeches, now again, I'm not trying to get political here, I'm simply stating what was said so you understand my story. Trump, in his public speeches, said that we had the watch list before and something like 4,000 criminals were caught. I was one of those 4,000. You know what made me a criminal? I once got on a plane because I was helping my elderly mom get on a plane. I got on a plane, we are flying back to Malaysia, and I realized I forgot to go for the two-hour interview to get that stamp. So when I landed in Malaysia, I lost my visa. Fortunately, the American embassy in Malaysia, they themselves felt the entire thing was discriminatory. So they just got me a new visa and I was able to travel again. But I was one of those 4,000 criminals that Trump spoke about. So you can see politics, words get twisted. But that is where that unity drive came from. That was my pain. This is why Viktor Frankl said, when meaning is given to suffering, it ceases to become suffering. So now you understand how Kensho and the idea of suffering and values ties together. Could it be, as Michael Beckwith said, that the suffering that we go through, someone who cheats on us, or someone who steals from us, or a business failure, or a broken heart, or someone who is unkind to us, is in fact an element that our soul wanted us to experience, so we discover our gift that we are meant to bring to the world. It's a really interesting idea. 
Viktor Frankl, who was released from the concentration camps after World War II and wrote a brilliant book called Man's Search for Meanings, said, I repeat, when meaning is given to suffering, it ceases to become suffering. And this could be what he was referring to. So I want you to pay attention to this idea. Very often when we find our values, the fascinating thing that happens is the pain that we once were attached to in the past disappears because we see the reason for that pain. When I talk about being on that watch list, I no longer feel anger or remorse. I no longer feel like it was bad for me because I knew if I hadn't been on that watch list, probably my life would have taken a completely different turn. I would perhaps not be here in Mind Valley University. I would not know the people I know. And that's a really intriguing idea for me. So our values give us the ability to forgive those incidents in our lives that hurt us. And that's why this exercise can be so transformative. So on one end, this exercise is making you go back in time and clearing up a lot of stuff that you might be carrying. On the other end, this exercise gives you a roadmap on how to make the right decisions as you go forth in life. So you are not making decisions and setting intentions based solely on what the outside world, the media, the priests, the moms, the dads, the cultural programming want you to do. It's what's coming to your soul. So all of this is about going back to your soul. Does that make sense? So as you go deeper into this values exercise, remember, now that you understand that element of suffering, you might want to go deeper and see if there were any values that emerged from your deepest pain. So your pain is often the breadcrumbs to your values. And those values become the guiding light for your purpose on the planet. Because what often happens is that the pain gives us a glimpse of what we want to heal and fix in the world so that other generations and other people we love do not have to experience that pain. I want to bridge the world together so that other people are not discriminated against because of their religion or the color of their skin. What was your soul's gift to you in the form of pain that might lead to your future mission. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body, your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.